0: Hello and welcome to Footnotes the Cicerone Podcast, a podcast to inspire you about outdoor travel and activities in the UK and across the world. I'm Hannah and I'm Amy and thank you for joining
1: us for our latest episode. To continue our focus on long-distance walking in the UK, this Ask Cicerone episode is all about navigation and covers everything from the pros and cons of print and digital maps to top tips for navigating in poor conditions. To offer his expert advice, we were joined by Cicerone's Business Development Director, Joe Williams, who answered questions including how important is navigation in the UK and what you can do to improve your navigation skills. Alongside his role as Cicerone's Business Development Director, Joe Williams is an ultra runner,
0: scrambler, climber and walker who has spent countless days out in hills and mountains in the UK and around the world. From running the Ramsey Round in 2016, the Glencoe Skyline in 2017 and 18, and several ultra marathons in the Alps, Joe is no stranger to navigating in adverse weather conditions and has plenty of expert advice
1: to offer. So if you've listened to the podcast regularly, you'll be aware that this is our second Ask Cicerone episode about long distance walking in the UK. Our first episode was with Leslie Williams, and it was all about the equipment that you might need for a long distance walk in the UK. And if you're interested in finding out more about that, you can listen to it on your podcast app or on the Cicerone website. But for this episode, we're going to look at another really important aspect of long distance walking um, and really any occasion that you go out in the outdoors, and that is navigation.
0: I think one thing that prevents a lot of people getting out and enjoying the outdoors is that they assume that they have to have really, really good navigation skills. And I think they find that quite intimidating. But actually, there are tons of options and there's loads of tools that can help you learn. And actually, learning navigation can be quite fun. Pete Hawkins, who is the author that's written our navigation and map and compass guidebooks, has always promoted navigation as being a really useful skill because it enables you to use the guidebooks as a start point for a walk and to tweak it if you think that it's a bit long or a bit short or if you want to put two walks together. Now, actually, if you can develop your understanding of the map and how that relates to the environment, it can give you a lot of freedom to get out and, and explore anywhere, you know, if we didn't have a own guidebook for that area or just for practising your, your navigation skills in, in your local area. You know, you can practise your skills
1: when you're just walking around near your house and then and then put it to the test when you go out at the weekends. And as well as navigation, generally providing you more options, there's also lots of options within that. So as Joe is going to outline in this episode, there's lots of options from paper maps to digital maps, having the GPX files, you know, on a watch or on your phone or something like that, or using a combination of those to actually improve your navigational skills.
0: I think what's key is that you're not solely reliant on one option. So even if you've got an app that has got kind of nice arrows and it's sort of pointing the right direction, you do need to have that common sense check of having another device or having a paper map or something that you can just back up. Even just looking at your phone and saying, that doesn't look like where I am. I think something's gone wrong because, you know, everything is susceptible to glitches or, you know, you need to be able to get yourself out of a situation or to notice when you've gone off track without having an app or something beep at you.
1: And I think if people are feeling nervous about it, because as you have said, Hannah, it is probably the thing that puts people off going out into the outdoors is that they're worried that they can't navigate as well as they need to be able to. Um, With long distance walking, there are fully waymarked, national trails on really well maintained paths that you could go on as your first long distance walk and that would actually take the pressure off the navigation and while you're doing that you know you could have the route on your phone or be looking at the map as you're going along and sort of learning ways to navigate as you're yeah actually out on the trail that could be a really nice way to get started
0: I did that years ago, actually, when I was doing some outdoor courses. We sort of did practice navigation skills on areas that we knew really well. And we'd just be walking along, it, enjoying the walk. And then every now and then we'd stop and say, right, where are we on this map? And it's just practicing looking around you and saying, oh, there's a river here. There's a big hill there. Can I figure out where I am on the map according to those features? And it's just a useful skill to have. I suppose very simple things can revolutionize your understanding of what a map looks like. I think for some people they wouldn't know what the contours mean, but then when someone explains to you that that's how you represent the height of the landscape on a flat surface, suddenly it all starts to make more sense. And you can look at the hill, you can look at the map and you can see when there's loads of contours squished together, oh actually that looks really steep. And you don't need to be an expert to be able to look at that and just go Wow, that looks really steep. I think that might be a bit hard, or there's hardly any contours here. I think this is going to be really flat and boring. I think from the first couple of pages of doing some of the exercises in Pete Hawkins' books,
1: you're just going to learn really simple stuff, but that will change every walk that you do, really. And aside from Pete Hawkins' books that are specifically about navigation and map and compass, within all of our guidebooks, they offer route description and maps and GPX files and then map booklets for the national trails. So there are plenty of options with our guidebooks, you know, for when you're actually out navigating. And Joe explains each of those and how they can be useful in their own way, but also in combination. I mean, maybe the word navigation makes it sound more complicated in itself.
0: But I think essentially what you're saying is you're improving your going out for a walk skills. If you look at it in terms like that, then that's like, well you need to get fitter for walking up steeper hills. So this is just a skill that actually, if you develop that skill, you can do the equivalent of a steeper hill. I'm sure you would manage to follow one of our guidebooks if you didn't have very good navigation skills, but perhaps if you did develop your skills, you just get there a bit quicker, you know, without stopping so many times or without having to check the guidebook so many times, you just have a bit more confidence on your day
1: out. And I think the combination of the route description with the map means that you can navigate based on those two things together. So you might not be sure what feature you're walking towards, but then you read the route description and it says, oh, you're walking towards this particular steep hill. And you go, oh, okay, yes, I can see that there. And then I look on the map and, oh, yeah, the contours are doing that. So it's those in, in combination Yeah. And the Map and Compass
0: book is a bigger book and it's very instructional and it goes through all your Map and Compass skills that you might need. Whereas the Navigation book is a a pocket sized book. It still covers a lot of information, um, but it's a really handy thing to just have in the top of your rucksack. So actually, if you weren't sure about something and, you know, maybe you did want to just have a quick check of how to do something, that book is really handy to have just to reference when you want to confirm something. What we want to know from you, Joe, is how important is navigation in the UK? How much do you need your navigation skills and a map and a compass, or can you rely on a phone or a GPS or just signposts?
2: Yes, it's it's a good question. Well, in the UK, we have quite a lot of signposts uh, all over the place, public footpaths and public bridleways pointing all sorts of directions. For many of the more formal long-distance routes, particularly the national trails like Southwest Coast Path and maybe South Downs Way and Cumbria Way and the, these kind of routes, there are waymarks, so little uh, little stickers attached to signposts and fence posts to indicate that you're on the right path uh, and on the right route and heading in the right direction. So theoretically, you may be able to manage without any other kind of navigational aid, but I always think it's really helpful to put yourself in context of where you are within that day's walking. Uh, by just following the waymarks, you might have absolutely no idea how far away you are from your bed at night. So really having a bit more navigational understandings really useful.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because you can follow the waymarks, but you might get to points in the day where you need to know how far away from lunch you are.
2: Knowing how far away you are from lunch or your uh, cup of tea if it's raining and it's sort of mid-afternoon. Yeah, I think that's really important.
0: There's a lot of routes that are signposted really well. But what about something like the Cape Wrath or the Coast to Coast, you know, where navigation skills actually are a bit more important?
2: So routes that are commonly known as the, the National Trails in England, Wales and in Scotland and the Great Trails in Scotland as well they are quite commonly waymarked with these, uh, these signs on signposts. So it does make the navigating a fair bit easier. But there are, um, there's a couple of routes that maybe are worth thinking about that are really classic long-distance walks in the UK where there aren't these waymarks. So maybe the first example would be the coast-to-coast Coast in northern England, which is, despite it being a very well-known route, it's not waymarked on the ground.
0: And it's not a national trail, is it?
2: No, it's not as well. So that really means that uh, you're going to have to be sharper with your navigation and know a bit more about the map reading. One of the challenges with a route like that is finding your way through the lower level areas, particularly through fields, and figuring out which way you need to get through one field to get into another. But then that could be contrasted with um, something like the Cape Wrath Trail in the far northwest of Scotland which is pretty well regarded as one of the tougher rougher and longer long distance routes in the UK that's a backpacking route primarily as well so you're you're camping along the way and the order of the day for the cape wrath trail is self reliance you might often be many days away from civilization and a point to to charge your phone up so that's a good one for paper maps absolutely and it does cover some rough terrain often pathless where you do need to be able to interpret the ground rather than just following a path and then seeing where it takes you know where the valleys are know where the water is and the streams and where you might want to cross and being able to read whether this bit is a boggy bit or that bit's a steep bit or there's a cliff over there it's really important to know those things to keep yourself moving forward efficiently and safe and secure so, those um, non national trails routes can present a few more challenges from a navigation standpoint.
0: But then there are non national trails like the Cambrian Way that are incredibly well signposted as well. They've got a very active association and they are out there checking the waymarks. And so, there's not really a hard and fast rule. I'd maybe say, if you're thinking of doing a long-distance walk in the UK, obviously we would hope that you'd buy the guidebook, but you do have to look into each one individually and see what that's like. There isn't a UK-wide rule of this is how they'll be waymarked and you know this is what the signs will look like.
1: If you would like more expert advice on navigation, please head on over to the Cicerone website where you can get a 25% discount on Pete Hawkins' two books about navigating in the outdoors. That's navigation and map and compass. Type in map25 at the checkout. Map25. We hope that you find the books useful and enjoy improving or refreshing your navigational skills. How much map reading ability do you think people
0: need? Perhaps for starting out on a waymarked national trail route. You know, I don't think it
2: needs much. I mean, map reading and the ability to read a map comes in sort of shades of grey and different sort of skill levels. Most of us are very familiar with how to use uh, phone applications like Google Maps. And if you can interpret where you are on a map like that, then it's just sort of an extension of that to have a greater understanding and reading of like an ordnance survey map or a more detailed topographical map. So, you know, when we talk about being able to read a map, it's yeah it's sort of a graded level through to somebody's ability to know where they are in whiteout conditions in the middle of a snowstorm somewhere in Scotland in the middle of winter where they can't see anything. But, yeah, they still actually know where they are on the map. I guess this is the point is, uh, do you need to know where you are on a paper map or do you need to know where you are on a digital map? And in my opinion, you kind of need to know a bit about both. Certainly, it's possible to get away with just using one thing or another. For example, the expert navigator would be fine with just their paper map, and they may find that that's a more enjoyable way to navigate, particularly as it means you can have your phone or whatever device turned off in your bag. Whereas uh, using a phone for navigation... I think these days is generally quite reliable in more ways than one in terms of battery life and in terms of accuracy and in terms of the quality of the maps that you can have that you're seeing your location on top of. And in fact, we have heard that there's a number of quite um, prominent outdoor leader voices that are big proponents of using digital mapping.
0: I think it's a really interesting thing because if you're going on a long distance walk where you have no access to charging your phone or you might be in and out of signal, or you might be somewhere where if something happened to you, you're a really long way from help, or you're somewhere where there's barely anything on the landscape to help you figure out where you are, then you don't want to be reliant on a mobile phone, but if you're doing a kind of popular, easier walk where you're staying at a hostel or a b and b every night and you can charge all your devices and you're using your phone throughout the day for taking photographs, then actually taking the pressure off yourself from having to feel like you can navigate just on a paper map with a compass might mean that more people would try a long distance walk in the UK. You know, I think that's maybe something that puts a lot of people off is thinking that, I can't map read, so I, I can't do one of these walks. And, you know, we always, we've always said to make sure you take a paper map and a compass. But maybe that is turning a little bit. Like you said, with battery on your phone these days, it can last a whole day. You can take a backup charger that's not very heavy. And if it is just a case of getting a OS Maps app or something like that and locating yourself with the click of a button, maybe that is enough now for people.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think if you are deciding that your phone is your main navigational tool, then an external backup battery charger is a really great idea. As you say, they can be relatively lightweight. They sometimes have additional features like they can function like a torch. Some of them are waterproof and shockproof. You you want to get one that will give you a few charges worth out of it. They're a really great investment if you're going to be reliant on that thing. And then being aware of what others in your group have got. Have you all got the same phone model? Have you all got the same charging cable? Do you need to have duplication there? Or is it fine just to rely on one person's? So yeah, there's some some options there. Then another point is maybe thinking about context. A map on your phone is great for that precise navigation of the little blue dot telling you exactly where you are. However, it's really not great for route planning. And being able to see the whole of your day and thinking about it in context, that's really where getting a paper map out is particularly helpful, where you can sort of get an idea for how each day of your long distance route looks. And then uh, maybe a a final point is thinking about the use of uh, using a phone to help you get better at navigation. Because you always are going to know through a, a mapping application, whether it's OS Maps or Viewranger or whatever you prefer to use, you're going to know where you are and it's going to position you on a topographical map, like a, an OS map. It's really great to help you learn about navigation. And in fact, you might try, if you aren't as confident with navigation, you can always say, right, okay, I'm going to take the printed map, we take this OS 1 to 25,000 map or 1 to 50,000 map. That's what we're going to use for helping us navigate today. But you always know that you've got your phone in your pocket that you can refer to if you're unsure or to back it up. And then the slight converse of that is that experienced navigators who are very strong with their map and compass work, too much continued reliance on using the phone applications can lead to a bit of skills fade with conventional paper map and compass work. So it's a good idea to actually every now and again just turn your phone off, put it away and refresh your map and compass skills as well.
0: Yeah, I think they are quite good. The, the apps that you can get now and they show you even if you're pointing in the right direction, they can identify what you're looking at. Or what's that hill over there? And, and you can point your phone at it and it can tell you. But, you know, they do still drain your battery and they can detract from the experience because if you've got the mapping on, then you've probably got notifications coming in. I suppose it's up for discussion what you'd prefer. But what's interesting is you're not saying don't go out only with a guidebook and a phone.
2: No, no, really. I think it's a question of thinking about the consequences of whether you need a paper map and compass as a backup or not. If we're talking about a lower level, long distance walk that's going from one village to another, particularly things in the south of England, even routes perhaps like the coast to coast as well. I think you want to have a think about what are the consequences of if my phone died. Is that going to put me in a bit of a predicament? But there again, you know, you can think about the same thing with a paper map. What happens if my map blows away? And maps do blow away. It does happen to people. So there is a school of thought that says in particularly bad winter conditions, which are not really the the common situation that we find ourselves in when we're walking a long distance trail in the UK, some people like to take two maps. A backup map, maybe a backup compass, but where, where does it end?
0: That's a good point, again, because it's not just the battery that can affect a phone. And being in colder temperatures will affect a phone's battery more quickly, like it will all batteries. But you could trip and throw your phone over the edge of a, a cliff and, and lose it, or your paper map could blow away. I suppose it's always having a backup is probably a good plan. Whichever method you choose, have a backup method as well.
2: I would agree with that. I think using a phone is really good. It's really wise to make use of the technology, depending on what you're wanting to get out of that situation. And maybe a specific point on where phones and the digital options can fall down is in the more severe weather conditions. You mentioned cold, and that's a really good one. The other one is actually when it's incredibly wet and raining hard. The touchscreens become pretty non-functional if they're covered in large raindrops. And the touch-sensitive gloves, if you're if you're wearing them, can be quite inaccurate as well. Sometimes it's very difficult even to unlock your phone when the screen is absolutely soaking wet. But these are often the times where you really want to know where you are as quickly as possible so you can figure out how to get out of there. So it's it's important to be aware of those things. And of course, a map isn't as susceptible to those issues at all.
0: Yeah, because extreme cold is not a massive problem in the UK, but extreme wet, I would say, is common. Even in the summer, you know, you can get a downpour that soaks everything.
2: Exactly. In situations like that, it's not the best tool for the job. But when the weather's decent and when you often don't have your fingers in gloves in less consequential situations, then it's surely faster and easier than a map.
0: So taking that a step further, I can follow GPX routes on my watch. And I quite often do that as a backup so that when I'm out walking, I can glance at my wrist. I can leave my phone in my pocket and just check where I am. And if I look like I'm following the right track, would you ever go out just with a watch and rely on that for navigation?
2: For me, no. And it's because of the lack of context. But it depends if your watch is advanced enough to have high quality mapping underneath that route line that you've got on there. So, for example, there's a ViewRanger app on the Apple Watch where you can get your OS mapping underneath your route line there. I think that's pretty good. But again, the questions of usability and reliability come in and depending on the the context. But lots of GPS compatible watches where you can upload a GPX file to it and see a route line on the watch screen don't have uh, high quality maps underneath them. At that point, if you happen to stray off route, it can be, um, well, at that point, you're really not relying on any other navigational tools other than using your eyes to see what is around you without any knowledge of what, uh, what it actually is. I have found myself in a situation where I was following the route line on my GPS watch and I didn't have these high quality map bases behind it. We were in the Lake District and the the clag had come down and it was raining and we were trying to locate uh, a hill called uh, Calf Crag and we became quite disoriented and actually looking again at my watch I wasn't sure which line going across the screen was going in which direction so I'd become totally disoriented. I actually had no idea whether we should be going forwards or backwards. But there again, in that situation, getting the phone with the OS maps on it out immediately sorted the situation. The the blue dot and the compass built into it pointed us in the right direction when we got to the top of the hill in no time after that. But that error was due to over-reliance on, um, on navigating with the watch. But there are advantages to, to the watch as you're more easy to access navigational tool you know, it's nice, it means you don't have to get your phone or your map or your guidebook or your map booklet out of your pocket very often. You can just flick to your wrist and see, oh, okay, it's left here. That's fine.
0: I think that's a really key thing to remember as well, is that if you're having to look at something to figure out where you are, there's a chance that you're already a bit confused, potentially a bit anxious or stressed. You know, if it's hammering down with rain or you've got really cold, You're maybe not going to be making the best decisions and you do need something that is reliable so you can make a quick decision and sort things out. Because that's when you start getting into the territory with, okay, there's a few things lining up that could potentially cause a bit of disaster. You have to be careful to get out of that danger zone of this is where it could all start to unravel and go really wrong.
2: Yeah, that's right. There are a few really useful hacks, I suppose, or little top tips that I'd recommend, particularly when the conditions are bad. When you're walking in bad weather and it's cold and you need to navigate, you often need to stop walking or stop running in order to, to check the map. So obviously you're going to get cold. So have a think about your layering and whether when you are needing to do more detailed navigation, whether you're actually dressed warm enough and get a hat on or get another layer on. Another point is thinking about the wind, particularly when you're using a paper map. The wind can be blowing the paper of the map around. So getting down low, I often sort of drop onto one knee and rest my map on the other in order to be a bit more stable and protected from the wind. You might want to hide behind a tree or behind a cairn or something like that. And then the other final point is, you know, some of us like to go walking on our own, but typically we're in groups and you want to be working together on navigation and figuring out where to go. So it's generally a bit hard to understand what somebody is pointing to when they just splodge a finger uh, onto a map. So my preferred thing is to just bend down and grab a blade of grass and point to the thing that you're trying to point to. With the end of that blade of grass, you can be really precise and uh, the other person knows exactly what you're talking about.
0: The other thing we haven't talked about, which is what we have tried to do as a publisher in bridging the gap between guidebooks and big unwieldy paper maps. And some of our guidebooks, um, most of the National Trails books, so long distance walks in the UK that have got the National Trail stamp with them, come with a map booklet. And that's one to 25,000 OS mapping in a booklet with the route line on it, very clearly marked, but also quite a fair margin on each side so that if you've got to go off to your accommodation or lunch or, you know, you want to build in a, a little meander for some reason, there is a little bit to play with on each side there. So those are a really nice in-between product.
2: Yeah, they are a good in-between product. They, they work for people on some different levels. Some people are more inherently drawn to to maps as they are drawn to to guidebooks and to to words. For some people, they're very competent map readers, and actually reading a normal written route description isn't maybe isn't actually needed for them. But this that means that just taking the map booklet and having that uh, close to hand can always provide um, that navigational tool with the route line and uh, and with the detailed mapping really close to hand. But yeah, some people that uh, that maybe are more words and route description oriented might find themselves using the guidebook more, but using the map booklet for knowing that there is that detailed navigation source that's accessible if they, if they need to get it. The other good thing really about the map booklets is that they can save you loads of money, particularly if you're on a really long, long trail.
0: I remember when we first did the Offers Dyke Path map booklet, we figured out how much it was going to cost to buy the separate maps compared to the booklet cost. And i have forgotten how much it was, but I remember being astonished because you're going through so many different map areas that if you had to buy all of the maps for it, it, it was a huge amount. And the map booklets actually come free with the guidebook. So if you're going to buy the guidebook anyway the map booklet is just included with that so you're not paying anything extra for that
2: yeah that's right you can buy the map booklet on its own if that's what you prefer as well i think we worked out that uh, all the os maps for that route would come to around 100 pounds whereas the map booklet on its own is about a tenner i think it's quite a good deal
0: yeah and the weight and everything you know that you're saving there yeah definitely we also have a couple of books that actually will teach you navigation, and they're written by a professional navigation instructor, Pete Hawkins. Do you want to tell us a bit about those, Joe?
2: Yeah, there's uh, there's two books. There's the more comprehensive book called Map and Compass that goes into a lot of detail, and that's really your manual. And then there's a more pocket-sized one called Navigation that can slip into a pocket very easily. Navigation gives you sort of the bullet points of what you need to know and how you can learn and how you can practice those things. Yeah, so they're they're really useful tools. And Peter's a navigation instructor at the Silver Navigation School. And so he runs courses as well. It's a good point to think about navigation skills and how to improve them, because clearly they do improve with practice. But like anything that's at all slightly complicated. Having somebody that is knowledgeable and experienced and preferably a good teacher uh, help you learn about how to improve your navigation skills is really, really worth doing. So finding someone like Pete or any walking instructor with a a mountain leader qualification, they'll be able to run courses, whether it's just an hour or a day or maybe a week uh, to help you specifically improve your navigation, I think is really, really worth doing.
0: And it's not as boring as it might sound. I think it can sound a little bit kind of geeky and school geography lesson-y. And maybe for some people, it just doesn't sound that fun. But actually, if you can improve your navigation skills just a little bit, then it opens up a whole world beyond the guidebooks and beyond the prescribed paths. Because you can look at a map and you can think, actually, do you know what? That's a little bit long for me. Let's see if I can shorten it. Or that route there goes up this really steep bit and and actually I don't think my kids will cope with that. So let's reroute that aspect. And when you're out on a, a walk, you can look at the landscape and you can see that, yes, you are in the right place. And you don't need to check the map as often or you don't need to stand around kind of with all your family thinking that you've got them lost again. So I think, yeah. There are a lot of benefits to learning a bit of navigation, even if you don't aspire to be the sort of coming down a a mountain in a whiteout type of navigator.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's really rewarding being on top of your navigation and being confident that you know where you are. It takes away the worry and some of the anxiety that can come with worrying about getting lost. It's a really good thing to improve your overall experience outside. And yeah, as you say, it also means that guidebooks can become a starting point of ideas that you can um, quite happily adapt a route that you might find in a guide to your own personal tastes.
1: Thanks to Joe Williams for joining us for this Ask Cicero episode and sharing his advice about navigation. You can find out lots more advice about navigating and long distance walking on the Ciceroan website, and that includes Pete Hawkins' Map and Compass guidebook and navigation guidebook and also plenty of articles videos and podcasts and thanks to you for listening to this
0: latest episode of footnotes the cicerone podcast let us know what you think by leaving reviews on apple podcasts or by emailing us live at cicerone.co.uk
1: we'd really love to hear from you to keep up to date with the podcast please follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app or provider You can also listen on the Cicerone website, www.cicerone.co.uk, where you can browse our full range of guidebooks, read our articles and sign up to our newsletter.
0: We'll be back in a couple of weeks.
1: So in the meantime, search for at Cicerone
0: Press on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can also join our Facebook community group, Cicerone Connect, to connect with other outdoor enthusiasts. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you soon.